Welcome to the Stories to Love podcast, the podcast where I fangirl over creators and find out all about their inspiration in hopes to boost our own inspiration. I am your host, Tiff Marcello, an inspiration seeker and your resident fangirl. Hello, everyone. This is Tiff Marcello, and this is episode 17 of the Stories to Love podcast. It is December 16, 2020. I can't wait for you guys to meet my next guest. This is such a treat. I was able to get Tia Curtis of Tia Curtis Quilts, also of Camp Follower Bags, into the recording studio. If you don't know this mega talented lady, go ahead and head over to her Instagram and I will wait. In this episode, we chat about our similar arcs in our creative life, how she balances business and art, and all the ways she protects her time. The editing and the uploading of this podcast comes at such a great time because I'm in the middle of a deadline. And honestly, I'll be in the middle of deadlines until February. And in as much as my head has been down, my antenna for inspiration is up. This episode truly helped me this weekend. There are so many nuggets here. And Tia reminded me that I needed to keep my mind open to learning new things. Before my writing updates, though, I do want to say thank you to those who pre-ordered Christmas actually or bought it in the first week. I am so excited to announce, if you haven't seen it, that the anthology made the USA Today bestseller list, which means that seven out of ten, seven out of 11 authors debuted as USA Today bestsellers, to include me. Um, with four having repeat appearance on the list. The entire experience was magical and I am still giddy today. It's made even better celebrating with friends. And during COVID times, it's all about this, right? The connection and working on this anthology and promoting it together, part and parcel made this entire season so much better. So once again, thank you. And I am so, so grateful. And speaking of connection, I just came from virtually attending the Romance Author Mastermind Conference, which was chock full of information from authors who have really created a career for themselves. I've been listening to about two presentations a day while I'm cooking or picking up around the house. I love listening to a career person's best practices. I mean, I do bring it into the podcast. It's just I love to learn from people. What it shows me is the overall picture of a person. And it completely eliminates the entire overnight success theory. The true overnight success story is actually a unicorn. The rest of the world puts in time, effort, and learning. I'm also taking the Heart Breathing's quarterly planning bootcamp. If you all know me, you know my love for paper planners. And with that, really evaluating and assessing my progress over time. I've always done like lifetime, yearly, quarterly, monthly, and weekly goals, but I have yet to really figure out how to leverage quarterly goals. Sarah Cannon, who is the instructor for this class, developed a highly recommended program that I started um, at the beginning of the week, and she has a series um, of YouTube videos that you can take a look at, and I'm linking all that below. But that is where I'm at, deadlines and deadlines, but I do love it. The writing is what I love. It makes me so happy. This delving into words and painting a picture 
and in getting to know these characters. With every pass, they come alive even more. And it's like visiting and chatting to an old friend in a town that I know from the foundation up. I hope everyone's hanging in there and staying safe and getting your joys and inspiration in whatever you can. And I appreciate those who all have subscribed. If you haven't, please do. And leave a rating when you can. If you'd like to support this podcast, please grab one of my books for you and a friend on my website at tiffmarcello.com. And here we go to my in conversation with Tia Curtis. Hi, everyone. This is Tiff, and this is the Stories to Love podcast. And today, here with me is Tia Curtis. Tia Curtis is an award-winning professional long-arm quilter and quilt designer. She has taught the quilt-making process on both hemispheres of the planet. Her quilts, patterns, and designs have been featured in numerous books and magazines. Tia lives in Kansas with her husband and teenage children. Tia started quilt making with Gwen Martson and combines many different quilt making techniques to create her free form pieces. Classes with Tia are uplifting and inspiring. Tia blogs at tiacurtisquilts.blogspot.com and campfollowerbags.blogspot.com. All of that will be in the show notes. Her website is tiacurtisquilts.com and she also has a YouTube channel where she shares fun sewing projects and improv techniques for creating quilt blocks, and she demonstrates her beautiful quilting style with her gamma long arm. Welcome, Tia. Hi, how are you? Good. So for everyone, Tia and I were both army nurses in Heidelberg Hospital in Germany back in 1999 until about 2002, 2001. 2002, yeah. So Tia, like me, went through an entire arc. So if we think about characters that change throughout the course of a book, Tia probably has the same kind of arc as I do. She came from a science field. She was an army nurse and then made the full spectrum. And now she, what I consider a quilt artist. And um, I followed her, you know, through our own personal Facebook channels. But she's just so amazing. So I thought it would be perfect to bring her in so we can discuss like what happened in her life that she's now quilting versus doing army nursing. And uh, she can talk to us about how she maintains her creativity throughout all of this stuff with COVID and quarantine. So welcome again. Okay, thank you for having me. So excited. <laughs> so, okay, so tell us, tell us what happened. All right, so we were both nurses. We worked together mm-hmm. on both a multi-service unit, which is basically pediatrics through adulthood, from everything from orthopedics to long-term care, and then mother baby. We both did labor and delivery, postpartum, nursery, the whole gamut. And then I left Germany in t- two thousand and two. And then what happened with you? Well, I was going to go be an operating room nurse. I was going to go to the operating room nurse course. I was going to work days. It was going to be gorgeous hours. We weren't living the dream. But as soon as I got to the States, I was really sick. And it was because I was pregnant. Mm -hmm. 
because my husband gave me a going away present and it was my son, Ethan. And you can't go to the operating room course if you're in your first trimester, which I totally was. So I got to just ship on to Fort Hood and be a labor and delivery nurse. And that was fine. And my husband eventually joined me at Fort Hood and he was deployed the entire time. And you know, as dual military, it's very hard mm-hmm. to find childcare to so you could work as a nurse and your husband could be deployed or both of you deploy or whatever. So my obligation was up for active duty service. So I went to reserves and then eventually just got out. But it was the first time I hadn't worked like since I was 15. Mm-hmm. It was so weird. Mm-hmm. And my husband was gone all the time. And at this point, I had three children in diapers. You know, I know you know how this feels. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and they sleep a lot, right? Yeah. And no, no. And I don't watch a lot of TV. So I started sewing. The church I was going to, they had a quilt group that they would meet every Wednesday. And they had free child care. Mm-hmm. And free child care was epic. So Absolutely. You know, the heart-to-heart quilters at the First Baptist Church in Fort Hood, Texas, or in Colleen, had free, free child care. So we would go and we would talk to other adult women and someone else would watch our kids. And it was amazing. Mm-hmm. It was fabulous. And they taught me how to quilt. Mm-hmm. And they taught me, you know, like each time I would go, I'd have a little project I had to do, like homework and work. And I would do it because I was very serious about this. And then we found that we were moving to Australia, to Alice Springs, Australia. Mm-hmm. And we were told, if you're moving there, you bring your hobby with you because you can't get it once you get there. Oh, wow. So I was like, oh, I love this quilting. So I'll go and I'll get some patterns at Hobby Lobby so I can you know, quilt while I'm there. So I go to Hobby Lobby and there's a woman who's working in the fabric area. You know, who knows? I don't even know if she knows how to turn on a sewing machine. I know nothing about her. But I ask her, where are the quilt patterns? And she says, no, there's no such thing as quilt patterns. No, the women just look at quilts and they just make them. And I was like, oh, that sounds good to me. (laughs) I bought some fabric and I moved to Australia. And that's, I've been kind of making quilts since. Because, you know, what a funny branch in the road, right? If she would have said, you have to follow patterns, there's, this is the only way you can make something. I would have been a totally different quilter than I am now. You know, now, you know, rules, schmrules. <laughs> you know, it all, you get there in the end and it's fun. So, so anyway, so I, I, I transitioned at one, at some point in there to a professional quilter and I, made quilts for different fabric manufacturers, mm-hmm. and different fabric designers. And then now pretty much I'm just a professional quilter. People will make the quilt tops and then they send them to me to quilt. And I quilt them and send them back. And I also teach. I also do a lot of quilt teaching. I teach people how to quilt. So how many years now have you been quilting? So Alice Springs, what years were those? Alice Springs was what, two thousand. Seven, eight, and nine. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess I probably start, started quilting 
professionally in Alice Springs because I had an APO address. So, you know, people can send me stuff. And, you know, like Wyndham would send me a bunch of fabric and I'd make, you know, a quilt and send it back and write a pattern for it. Right. Yeah. So I'd write a pattern for a magazine or a book. And so, you know, it was all kind of by mail or by internet. So it's pretty cool. Well, your style of quilting is very much like you. So I don't know if you can (laughs) tell her personality right off the bat here, but (laughs) Tia Curtis has her way of doing things. So even as a nurse, she had her way of doing things, right? (laughs) Because we've worked together. I remember the first quilts that you used to make were kind of like scrappy quilts or like they weren't exactly... They, they're they not weren't, traditional. I don't they're non-traditional. I guess that's what it that's what the sure. term is. But that's probably because I couldn't find any patterns to make a tradition. Yeah. But what a way to learn, right? To kind of just go with it. So you kind of just started, you kind of learned on your own. It like yes. right? so I was very self, very self-taught because you know, for about a year and a half, I was the only quilter I knew in Australia. Mm-hmm. Obviously, Australia has a huge quilting history and they make amazing quilts. But I didn't know anybody because I was in a little tiny bubble in the middle of the country. Yeah. But there were these terrible bushfires that were going on in Victoria in 2009. Mm-hmm. And I felt terrible. Mm-hmm. So I, I had a blog at the time and I mm-hmm. asked, you know, for a couple quilt mm-hmm. blocks, maybe I can make like three quilts and I'll send these quilts to Victoria maybe it'll, you know, help somebody. So I put it on my blog, send me, you know, these 12 inch blocks. They have to be like these wonky stars and everything. Tiffany, I got enough blocks, just blocks from all over the world to make 130 quilts. My gosh. 130. But that's, that's how much outreach you had one person like I don't know have you ever worked as a tool in your life has there ever been like a time where you're like you were just a piece like you were where it all funneled out of that was a really cool experience because when we would need thread to put the blocks together a box of thread would show up at my house like a huge box I needed batting a huge box of you know pallet of batting showed up I needed help putting these quilts together. I found that there were two different quilt groups in town. They both merged. We worked together. It was this huge community project. It was incredible. And we got it done in such a small amount of time. And we had all these quilts finished. Bingo! Someone just happened to be driving their trailer to to Victoria, and they, we packed all the quilts in the back of this guy's trailer, and he took them and delivered them. It was amazing. That is <laughs> tremendous. <laughs> yes. What a great story. Yeah, it was an incredible, incredible story. So it was the bushfires of 2009, mm-hmm. and last year, I went to Australia to teach, and I drove through that area that had been totally burned to a crisp. Yeah. And it was really, really amazing to be able to see right. that area again. But, yeah. you know, lush and wonderful. Of course, this year, 2020, and burned again. But, you know, it's 2020. Yeah. All, all broken loose. <laughs> I laugh with you. No. <laughs> horrible. So I feel like that was one sign that you were on the right track. I've, do you, were there other signs along the way? Because I'm sure 
you went through the same thing. I'm, I'm not sure, but I'm thinking that you went through the same thing as I did when I got out of the army. There was quite a bit of mourning with that. Absolutely. Yes. Because yes. all of my life, not all of my life, but all, my college life has been towards a bachelor's in nursing, being an ROTC and full bodied in it to win it. Like Absolutely. I was there. I was present. Yes. I was serious about it. That was my job. And even married to another military person kind of entrenches you even more in the whole thing, right? Absolutely. And then the thing is, though, is when you're taken away from that or you move towards a career that is completely different, was there a little bit of doubt? Like, wait a minute, what am I doing? Is this for real or is this temporary? What happened in between? in between my move to Australia and me getting out of the army was that I had a little business. I made bags. Mm -hmm. So people would give me their loved ones uniforms and I made bags out of them. And my business was called camp follower bags. I wasn't a hooker. I was a camp follower. (laughs) So I made bags and they were really cool and they were quilted. And I loved the quilting part so much that I knew that that's what I wanted to stick with, this bag gig. It was, it just got too much. It was too, too many people not understanding the amount of work that went into it. And, you know, so it was kind of a weird transition that I had this little, like, as soon as I left the army, boom, I had this job, this, this business that I started. So I wasn't, so I had something to do. I had something to keep myself busy. And then I had a new business, which was quilting when I got my long arms. Mm -hmm. So I was sad, but I was still quite busy, but I was still with the military because my husband was still in the military. Yeah. Yeah. So T and I I had this. Yeah. Anymore. What's that? (laughs) I wasn't a professional. Yeah. (laughs) So I had a bag business around the same time Tia did. And yes, it was like one of these things where you did jump into it. Like I put all my heart into that too. I think it's because you're so used to putting your whole heart into this one thing and you're like, okay, I'm raising babies. Let's just do this as well. Like, let's just go in it. But now the quilting part is just beautiful. And I don't think it, I think that I'm going to have to tell everybody and direct everybody to your Instagram because then you can really see when somebody says long arm quilting, the kind of work it is, because this equipment is not tiny. No, right? it's huge. It costs as much as, as a car. <laughs> yeah, it's quite yeah. expensive and, and it's enormous. So yeah. when we were going to retire from the military, we were in San Angelo, Texas. Mm-hmm. And my husband sent me up here to Kansas to find us a house. And I knew I needed a space big enough for these machines. And I only had one at the time. Now I have two. But you need at least a 20-foot room Mm -hmm. to put this thing in because mine has a 14-foot table. So you need a lot of space. And, you know, it's going to be in my house. So I didn't want it to be on the main floor because then as people come in, you know, it looks like a like a hoarder <laughs> in the house. I want the hoarder to stay in the basement. <laughs> so funny. And now, did you see yourself doing this? I mean, at when, at when did you say, okay, we're going to buy all this equipment <laughs> and we're going to fill up the entire basement with like bolts of fabric? No, absolutely not. I did not see this happening 
period. So I was quilting. I didn't even know what a long arm was. I was quilting on my little Bernina, my little domestic sewing machine, because that's what I thought everybody did. And then for one of the quilt markets, I got a quilt that they wanted just, you know, stitched in the ditch, just very simple stitching. And it was killing my back because it was a huge quilt. So I was like, you know, I've heard of this thing called a long arm. (laughs) I Googled long arm for sale. Because how much could it possibly be? (laughs) And, And there was one for sale in my town in San Angelo, Texas. And, and it was very old. It was very, very, very old. It was not digitized. It was old. It was a sewing machine on wheels on a huge table. <laughs> and it had been in, it had been in like a, what do they call them? A car. It's not a car shop where they, where the car gets in a wreck and they fix it. What is that called? Mechanic. No, <laughs> sorry. So is it was that right? Yeah, I don't know. Maybe <laughs> garage. It was in a garage garage. for like for like ten years. It hadn't been used. It had wow. just been covered with with a sheet. And the lady decided she didn't want it anymore, and so she wanted she was going to sell it. So I bought it and I got it for an absolute steal. Right? She just wanted it gone, and. Oh my gosh. It was like all of a sudden I had wings. Oh my gosh. I could do stuff on that machine that were agony to do on my little domestic machine. Oh, I was love at first sight and I never looked back. And (laughs) it's huge. And the table was, and I'm very short. So the table was so big that I couldn't see what I was working on. So my husband made me a stage. He built me this stage. So sweet. I know. So I could see what I'm That is doing. love. <laughs> but we set it up in our garage. And, you know, if you've been to Texas, you know how blazing hot it is. So I would sew in the evening with the, with the garage doors open. So it was like performance arcs. People would walk around the, the block like, what is it? It sounds like a machine gun. <laughs> it's <like> a machine gun. <laughs> I love that. Yeah, but so so then I upgraded to a digitized machine. So it's something you program and it's almost like having a robot, right? Mm -hmm. You still have to do work. It's not all automatic. You have to program it and know how to work the software. But oh golly, it's that that's such an amazing it's it's amazing. It's amazing. I love it. (laughs) Well, I love it too. I love watching it. It's kind of mesmerizing. It's like ASMR. It's I'm just staring. And the other day I watched you do like a quick tutorial on how to use a ruler and then you stitch around the ruler. And I was like, I ran that evening. I was like, Greg, that's my husband. Greg, can what do you think about a long arm? And he's like, you haven't quilted in like five years. What are you talking about? All the quilting you could get done. I need someone you can talk to. I I know a dealer. (laughs) So, so you didn't see yourself at this stage, but now do you see yourself doing this forever? Or is this, is this another part of the arc that you want to keep doing? Is there something within the quilting world or, or within the fabric world that you are hoping you want to do? That's a good, really good question, Tiffany. So last year, I worked with with Gemmel and we I traveled all over teaching these huge classes people how to you know 
they just bought a long arm or they'd had one and didn't have any classes on it. But we taught people how to quilt. And it was, I was gone so much, like half of the year I was gone. And I still have kids at home. They're not babies anymore. They're all teenagers now. But I tell you, teenagers, I think they might need you more than I agree. bitty ones. Because <laughs> there were some decisions made while I was away. <laughs> <laughs> so, and I don't think they would have been made if I would have been here. But so it was almost like, okay, boom, I was launching. I was going to be, I was traveling all over because I was also teaching at like big quilt shows and I was traveling and doing trunk shows. It was like huge all at once. And of course for COVID-19, you know, all like I had my whole year planned out again for Mm -hmm. 2020, right? As Mm -hmm. sure a lot of us did. And it all stopped. Yeah. Like came to a screeching halt, but it's been kind of a nice like breath Because I've been able to think about what do I really want to do? I don't want to get pulled in all these different directions. You know, maybe right now is not my time to travel. I've only got two more years, well, at home with the kids, because then they'll all be out of, you know, they'll all be at college Mm -hmm. or in the circus or whatever they choose to do. (laughs) Just go. So then I think I can make a more controlled plan, Mm -hmm. you know, as long as the apocalypse doesn't hit us between now and then, because I still love to travel. I still love to teach. And I still, you know, I've got so many ideas in my head. It's packed, Mm -hmm. but I want to be more controlled and more professional about it instead of just being all over the place. So Now, did you have any mentors along the way, like folks that you looked up to in your specific career path? Oh, gosh, absolutely. So while while I was while we were stationed in Australia, I loved Flickr. Do you remember back to the Flickr days? Mm -hmm. Oh, my gosh, it was the best. So I had friends on the Internet. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we showed each other pictures and we just loved each other. It was awesome. Well, that's how I discovered Gwen Marston. And yeah. Gwen Marston, you know, she passed away last year. But wow, what an amazing woman with an incredible legacy she left behind. Yeah. I actually have gotten to go quilt with her a couple times. I went to Beaver Island Quilt Retreat. And she came to Dallas and I took some classes with her. But I think she has been the single most influential person on my whole journey. Because like when I learned to quilt at that little church, everyone was very serious. And, you know, if if your seam isn't perfect and you got to rip it out and start over. But that was very stressful. And Gwen was like, no, this should be fun. It should be enjoyable. Yes, you still need a quarter inch seam, but, you know, it doesn't need to be perfect. Life isn't perfect. And I loved that. So I've definitely taken her school of thought and made it my own, especially when I'm teaching, because, you know, we're just Pete, we're just human. We're not perfect. Perfection is, it's a bridge way too far for me. So I gave it up. <laughs> yeah. And I love that approach as well, just because you want to be able to keep doing this forever, like 
sustainability, I feel like is like the number one thing. I don't know if it's something that I came onto in my 40s, but the fact that, for example, I'm not trying to trying to break my body in order to get in shape. You know, I just want to be able to walk every day and enjoy the company of the people I'm walking with. And I I love that idea of, yes, this is probably the best way to quilt this quilt. However, like if you don't, it's, don't worry about it. It's not not the end of the world. Yes, definitely. And, you know, quilting, I don't think it's going anywhere. It's been around for quite some time. And, you know, men play golf. You know, they don't expect (laughs) their whole sport of golf to stop, right? I know. Because I think my husband at first, he thought it was kind of a passing trend. And then he's like, wow, because he went to one of these shows with me and he saw all the people. It's a massive industry. And it's an industry with, you know, for people who have, you know, a little bit of extra money, they're comfortable. They're not having to, you know, decide, am I going to quilt or am I going to eat? Right. So it's not, it's, it's a nice industry. Right. So, so anyway, so when he saw that, he's like, oh, well, I guess it's kind of like golf, isn't it? It's not going anywhere. <laughs> no. No. <laughs> <laughs> So quilting was like became your love. And now that it's part work or if not all work, what do you do on the side? Do you feel like quilting still fuels the creative side or do you have other creative endeavors in addition? Oh, golly. So so every year I want to learn a new thing. Mm-hmm. A couple of years ago, I learned the violin. I also learned I'm not very good. <laughs> you really have to work at something to be good at it. So I I guess this year's kind of watercolor for me. But I do want to have, I, I like having a bunch of different pots on the stove because it just gives me, you know, I could bounce from project to project and it still feels fresh when I go back to my actual work, which is somebody's quilt. It's, it's not always my quilts I'm quilting, although sometimes it is, and I'm and I not always making my own quilts. Like sometimes I'll just get a whole bunch of traditional quilts all in a row to quilt for people, which is fine. I love a traditional quilt. I mean, I don't make them, but I do like quilting them. But after yeah. you know five in a row, yeah. oh, I'm ready for something different, so I can go and I can like do some painting or make some bags or just a quick palette cleanser mm-hmm. or go, you know, make bread. <laughs> you, yeah. know? you know, I have to admit that I started a sourdough starter God. on March 23. And I've been making oh. sourdough bread, which is really like another baby, like keeping that sourdough starter alive, like feeding it every day. You and mother you are. I wasn't I to my sourdough. It's like, oh. I can do this. I kill all my plants, but I can definitely do starter. <laughs> now, what is, was there a specific COVID project for you? God, I feel like this COVID has been going on for so Six months. Long. I mean, it's um, the whole year. I've been running a couple different COVID quilts in the background, mm. right? So I've got one finished, one is almost ready for quilting, but it's got a lot of applique. So I've been doing a lot of applique work, which is like, you, know, you cut out a little shape of like a flower and you sew it to a background. That's applique. And I also 
weirdly, and I never thought I would do this, I kind of returned to making bags. Because mm. it's just having, I wanted a victory, right? I wanted an easy victory for that day. I wanted something that I could say, I did this, it's done, it's finished, and it's functional. So my daughter and I kind of worked on a little collaboration. She's 19. And I would, I quilted out all these octopus octopi mm -hmm. and she painted them with oh that's fabric. lovely it was really cool and I was like well people probably don't want just a quilt a little wall quilt of an octopus although maybe they do but I made them into tote bags and then we sold them on my website and all the money was hers you know to put towards that's college lovely. but it was a fabulous little collaboration and you know she got to see a little bit about because she fancies herself an artist. Well, it's great to be an artist, but you need to be able to, you know, buy food, right? right. You need to be right. able to support yourself in some way, shape, or form. And I sound like my mother right now. No, I say that all the time, and I swore that I wouldn't, but I say it every time. Yeah. Um, so she definitely got to see a little bit about, yeah. okay, I have this great idea, but how do I bring my great idea to the people? Yeah. Right. So that was pretty cool. So how many quilts do you quilt a year, as in long arm quilts? So, okay. So I Not do piece different types quilt. of quilting. Yeah. I do custom quilting and I do edge to edge quilting. And the edge to edge is when my little computer robot, like I program it and the machine does the quilting. Right. Custom is when I have the machine and I'm guiding it like a pencil, right? I'm doing the actual quilting. So custom work takes a great deal longer than edge to edge. So I would say I quilt a couple hundred edge to edge quilts a year and probably maybe 18 custom okay. if I'm working really hard. Last year, I was traveling all the time. So I was a fraction of that. But this year, you know, I'm in my basement every day. <laughs> no way. So this year it will probably be a pretty good number. Give us the hours for a custom quilt. Oh, yeah. For a custom. Let's say we you do one of your swirls, you okay. know. So I would probably say. For, say for a full-size quilt. Like it's say. a quilt you're going to put over your bed. Like you right. work hard. It's beautiful. You're putting, it's going to be a bed quilt. That's a big quilt. That will probably take me about three weeks to quilt. Yeah. Three weeks working. I'm not going to say I'm working full, full, you know, full eight hour days. I'm probably working like three hour days as well, you know, doing computer work and all the other stuff goes on in the job. So three, three weeks of three hour days. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's a lot of work and a lot of concentration because you're holding that pencil or that sure. mechanical arm. Sure. And some of these quilts, women, you know, and men, they've worked on for years and then yeah. they come to me for the quilt works. So I certainly don't want to Booger it up. <laughs> I want to do a good job. Yeah. yeah. I love that. And the thing is, too, is that I think that what I think that folks don't understand, sort of like making words, like you have to make for a book, you need, you know, 75,000 words. There's a lot of stitches that go into one quilt. Oh, and so when writer's block, I have to deal with, you know, writer's block too. Like sometimes I'll stand there and look at this quilt, like, I have no idea. Yeah. No, I got nothing. I got yeah. Nothing. I got to go do something else. 
Yeah. And now do you, have you ever been like, do you have any repetitive stress from all of that? So for example, me, I have to really watch my posture. Right. Oh, yeah. I'm, my, I the posture of an old humpbacked witch, I think. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yes. I do slump over. Yeah. But it's not as bad as I was when I was quilting on my sit down machine. My posture is much better upright. And I think if I quilt barefooted, my p- posture is a lot better. Yeah, that's interesting. So, <laughs> well, I know. So what advice would you have for folks that want to get into this industry? You have like gotten to know a lot of people definitely um, throughout the years. So do you suggest that folks like go to, I mean, you can't go anywhere now, but it's very sad. So there are still like online meetups that are still happening. Like my, like I'm a member of the Kansas city modern quilt guild. And, you know, I think back before COVID when we were all meeting, you know, there were about 200 members. Yeah. And, you know, we come from every walk of life. Some people don't even quilt. They're like artists who work for Hallmark. So there's Mm -hmm. lots of different people just kind of finding like a, you know, what is the word? Someone who likes the same thing you do. Yeah. Hobbyist. Chip. Too much spirits. There's a bunch of (laughs) all together, right? So, so we still have meetings online. So if you're if you want to be a quilter, you don't have to be a quilter all by yourself and you know in your basement or in your kitchen or wherever you're sewing. You know, there are groups, there are guilds, and they're fabulous. There's so much experience in a guild. And, you know, for the most part, we love sharing our knowledge and we love having new, new chicks come to yeah. the roost, you know? Yeah, exactly. Now, do you have, do you recommend, besides following you, do you know anybody off the top of your head that folks can follow like names or oh, specific? Sure. Well, huge name in our quilt industry is Angela Walters. Now talk about a powerhouse. She's a business you know, all into herself. And she's made a really good pivot during this COVID time. And she's got YouTube videos and she has quilt alongs you can join. And she's, 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 she's a friend of mine and she's an incredible person, but she's also a very smart businesswoman. Mm -hmm. And she's really able to market herself and get herself out there like I'm, I'm weird about talking about myself. You know, I was raised in the South and we have to, you know, not not show off and you know and now all of a sudden I got to talk about myself and like, uh, <laughs> say without sounding vain I love it. but Angela Walters is amazing and then there are tons of like digital quilters like my friend Georgia Stull she mm-hmm. knows more about computer software you know to make your machine work and run and function and she knows shortcuts and I tell you I I call her like I got I got this idea how do I make my machine do it and she was like oh yeah that's easy to you this is what you do but she also has a really good online like a Facebook group where mm-hmm. people can come and take classes with her online and she's Georgia Stull on <laughs> <laughs> 
I don't know. Oh, she's got a company. I can't shoot. I can't even remember the words. I think it's Heartland Quilts. Okay. You know what? I'll, I'll, I'll email it to you. Perfect. And, like, and <laughs> favorite fabric shops. Do you have any off the top oh, of gosh, your head? I love I, this shop. is so hard, but it's <laughs> top two. I don't know. It's like saying, what's your favorite book? It's well, hard. It's really hard. So I love fabric shops. So there's a fabric shop here in town called First City Quilts. And my friend Maria owns it. And sometimes I go and teach there. Of course, now we're only allowed to have a tiny handful of students come but it's a lot of fun. And she does like a, a Facebook live every Monday. First city quilts. Ooh, that's, that's a good one. Sarah's fabric in Lawrence is like a national treasure. It's amazing fabric store. Parkville's great fabric. Yes. The, the store in Parkville is called the fabric chick and it's wonderful. <laughs> I love them all. <laughs> I've never met a fabric store I didn't like. <laughs> I bet that you, like me, where I try to go to the bookstore in every place I visit, you probably find out where the nearest fabric store is and you probably walk in. Yes. And I love, and you know, I'm not a very good knitter, but I love yarn stores. Yes, Ooh. ma'am. <laughs> it's oh, bad. Amazing textile. <laughs> Yarn to pet. I mean, it's just you go in there. Now I don't know if you can pet yarn, but I don't know. It's just everything is so sad. But not. (laughs) Now, do you have any advice for folks who want their creativity well refilled? So from somebody who works in the creative arts and who has to find more inspiration besides what you're doing, what's your practical tips for folks? So you got to be careful and not find yourself scrolling away your creative time, right? Like looking at Instagram or looking at Pinterest or looking at Facebook. So I've taken Facebook totally off my phone because you just find yourself in this void and you get nothing done. So instead I try to set myself like an hour or two hours aside and it's typically in the evening because I do try to keep regular business hours. I do want to see my kids. I do love them. <laughs> and my husband, I love him too. So in the evening, I like to, that's when I do my, this year, this is my painting time. Yeah. So I have a little sketchbook and I've got a little thing of watercolors and I just kind of paint. And it's not to make a picture by any means. Typically, it's cats. I hate cat portraits. It's so weird because I'm not a cat woman. I was going to say, cats. you don't You don't have cats. Well, I do. I have one you really do? freaky never... looking Persian cat. And he is, he's, he's a weird, weird little creature. But I like, you know, his face. It's so, it's so expressionless, but so expressionful, right? <laughs> so I like making cat portraits. So weird. So, because if I can't think of anything I want to paint, I do like to make work with color and, you know, paint. That's just color, isn't it? Yeah. That so, is. so anyway, a lot, I really am enjoying this whole watercoloring. And if I ha- feel like I have to paint something, then I'll paint cat faces. Yeah. Look, I've got a huge stack of them. Okay. My stack of cats. <laughs> That's a lot of cats. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you can see the stack. It's like a... T- three inch stack of cardboard. Yeah. Um, 
So when people buy like fat, because I've got a little online oh, fabric store. So when people buy fabric or right. if their quilt to them, I send them a cat portrait. How special. <laughs> so, and I'm very impressed. See, it, it feels good to get rid of these, right? Because yeah. some yeah. people really like them. Yeah. And it makes me feel like I'm not like a weird hoarder. I think if I was a potter, if I was like a pottery person, I would have all these this pottery in my house. Right. But you know, art—that's fun. People want art, don't Absolutely. they? <laughs> Absolutely. Oh so, my! I think that's a great. I love this weird. new hobby. So they totally look like mush space Persian cats, but they're like pink and glitter. Did you know that there's sparkle paints? I did not. It has come a very long way since I was in school. So I like using the, the metallic mica paint. <laughs> anyway. But. I feel like you will say into like fabric art where it's going to have like, you know, it's going to be fabric with paint, with buttons, with doodads, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. with applique. I think it would be a very easy slip. I'll save that for 2021. Exactly. 2021. I'll join that, with this artist. It'll be another pivot. It'll be Tia yeah. Curtis, you know, art. Because that's like a oh, huge thing. I mean, that is a to and another thing. But you've always had that mind. I think you're a very creative person. So. Well, you know, being in the army, it's rules is very strict. Yeah. And after, you know, I was in when I was in Heidelberg and I had several miscarriages in Heidelberg. And I was very yeah. sad. I was dealing with yeah. a lot of mm -hmm. frustration. I took my very first quilt class at the craft center on post. And it was so nice to use just a creative part of my mind. That, you know, kind of the army doesn't really, they don't want you to be that creative in the army. They want you to follow the rules. <laughs> no. Oh, you know, I did remember coming to visit you once because we used to go to each other's houses. So yeah. I remember a basket of hand quilted hexagon squares. Yeah, that was my little class. Right. I, I remember seeing it and I was so interested because I was lear just learning how to cook. Because I went to, I got married not knowing how to cook, and Greg didn't know how to cook, and we we're like, "How do we do this? Let's figure it out." But it was, it was a time where because we were working so hard, like day shift, night shift, split shift, six days a week, sometimes we were like trying to find ways to put our creativity somewhere. And I remember just saying, "Well, I'm just gonna cook. I'm just gonna figure this out." That was it, you know. But I remember seeing that basket. Of hexagon squares. Who so. knew where that would lead? <laughs> I know, Tia Curtis. <laughs> God, if I would have oh taken the woodworking class instead of the quilting class, I would have been a carpenter. <laughs> yes. Which, look, we're still we still have our fifties, and we still have true. our sixties. True, true, it's true. There's there's no limit to what we can be. No limit. Also, don't be afraid to share your passion with somebody else yeah I love that it's so it means so much to like you may not even realize that you're making an impression on somebody like when mm. I was going to that little church learning to quilt with those ladies in Colleen Texas they were so generous with their knowledge yeah 
it made such an impact on me. And now I, I, I will stop everything and teach you to quilt because that knowledge was given to me. I want to give that knowledge away as well. So, yeah. Well, that's just lovely. Share, share your knowledge. Get it out there. <laughs> that's so lovely. And this is a true representation of my friend. So thank you so much. Like, I think we've been talking, like we were talking before we even started. Yeah, we good. But let us know where we can find you again. So just go ahead and mention your Instagram and your website. So I have a website and it's tiacurtisquilts.com. And then I'm also on Instagram. I love Instagram. So I'm Tia Curtis Quilts on Instagram. I'm also on Facebook, but I don't like Facebook. So if you try to reach out to me on Facebook, (laughs) I'll see you like three months from now. But Instagram, it's instant. (laughs) Yes, I I love it. Actually, it's my favorite of of all because no drama, um, just scroll scroll. and looking at all these pictures. I love it. Well, thank you so much for coming. I appreciate it, taking the time out. I love seeing you again because even though the listeners are listening to this, I'm actually seeing you on video and it's been so long, but I feel like- the same. You're still gorgeous. Absolutely still the same back at you. But thank you so much for coming. And um, thank you everyone for listening to the Stories to Love podcast. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you so much for joining me, Tiff Marcello, at the Stories to Love podcast. You can follow me through my newsletter at tiffmarcello.com and Instagram and Facebook, as well as Twitter under Tiff Marcello and Stories to Love podcast. You can support this podcast by picking up my most current book, Once Upon a Sunset. Thank you for joining me.